0: Wow Father, we are <clears throat> we are still, as we think about this idea that we are loved by you, it just causes us to be overwhelmed, overwhelmed with your goodness, overwhelmed with your grace and your mercy. The fact that you would love dysfunctional, trifling, people that did not love you back. It's one thing if we loved you back. But it's crazy that you loved us when we couldn't love you back. That birth sent us praise this morning. Thank you. And Lord, this morning as we move into a time of thanksgiving, may that be the primary source of our thanksgiving that we're loved by you, O God. It's greater than any other love that we can experience on this earth. Father, I love my children, I love my wife. But it pales into comparison for your love for us. Thank you, Lord. And I pray that that would guide the rest of our time and the remainder of our gathering, that we would focus on the love that is best seen at the cross of Christ. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. How y'all doing? Man, y'all seem energetic this morning. I'm loving it. It's that food last night. Listen, man, we had a great time last night at our friends' giving. We really did. Um. You know, one of the things I love about our church is the ethnic diversity of our church, and that shows up at a potluck. We had uh, Haitian rice. Come on. We had some empanadas. We had Spanish rice. We had jerk chicken. We had, I mean, it was, I mean, for real. I was in a food coma last night. It was great. And I want to move to to quickly and publicly uh, just thank a few people. First of all, thank you to all of our volunteers, anyone that volunteered. Can we thank God? Amen. There were people here early, early yesterday that helped to set up and uh, make sure things were together. And then there were people here late last night. I mean, I I legitimately had to call Miss Carol and and beg her to leave last night because she wanted to stay here and just continue cleaning up. But I'm grateful for all of our volunteers. And uh, I just saw Lanisha walk in. Can you guys help me thank God for Lanisha? She's in the back. Wave your hand, Lanisha. I know she don't like this. Amen. I want to publicly thank her. She, uh, she helped to, she provided leadership and helped to coordinate everything last night. She ran point guard, and so we're grateful for her and, and for her contribution. Uh, listen, I'm eager to preach the word of God, and I don't have a lot of time to do it, so why don't you do me a favor, grab your devices and your Bibles, whatever you have, and meet me in Exodus chapter one. Okay. <laughs> Somebody that loves Exodus. <laughs> Exodus chapter 1, if you're having a hard time finding it, go to Genesis and flip to the next book and you will see Exodus 1. Anybody have the the new iPhone? I'm just curious. Okay, a couple of them? Okay. all right. I'm expecting a a growth in tithes and offering from you. (laughs) I set you all up. You see how I did that, right? All right. Grab your devices, though. Meet me in Exodus 1. This is what we're going to do. We're going to be in verses 15 to 22. You guys know we've been going through uh, an entire series. We actually just finished a few weeks ago, an entire series on the book of 1 Peter. Um, And we are in between books. We feel most comfortable in books, but in between books, we're doing some standalones. And so this is a standalone sermon. Last week, we got to talk about forgiveness. And this week, I think there is something so profound in uh, in this story. Uh, So pick me up in verse 15. Verse 15 says this, then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whose name was Sifra and the other Pua. Verse 15, when you serve as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. Please underline those two words and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwives come. Verse 20. So God dealt with them, with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all the people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. I simply want to preach today from the topic entitled Women Who Fear God. Women who fear God. Let us look to the Lord. Lord, this morning, I know it's not Mother's Day. I know it's not Women's Day. But nevertheless, this is a day that we get to. Look at what the scriptures tell us about godly women. And I think all of us in this room have been impacted, whether we are a male or a female, we've been impacted by another godly female, whether that was grandma that prayed for us, whether that was mama that knew the Lord, whether that was an aunt or whether, whether that was big mama that lived down the street that just served the block. We thank you for the godly women that you've put into our lives. And many of us are sitting in here in our right minds this morning because of a godly woman. And we want to thank you. And Lord, we are praying for another generation of godly women that will fear you, as the text tells us. In this text, we get to see how an entire nation is saved because two women fear God. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would use this text to encourage our heart, use this text to encourage our ladies and pray ultimately that this would point us to Jesus Christ. And that he would be the hero of our time. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Why don't you look at your neighbor and just touch him and just say, Do you know a godly woman that has been impactful in your life? That was a lot. I know y'all got lost in the translation. Y'all was like, Ba, 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 whatever he said. Amen. Women who fear the Lord. Since becoming a believer, um, In the mid-20s, my my mid-20s, since becoming a believer, I have been really, really impacted and been privileged to be around some really, really godly ladies. When I first became a believer, I had, man, just an insatiable thirst for the word of God. And it wasn't long until that thirst led me from just reading and studying the Word of God to teaching the Word of God. And the first group of people that I got to teach the Word of God to was a Sunday school at a church that I used to go to. And it was an adult class for Sunday school. And everybody in the class was old ladies, everybody. My, my wife would tell you they loved me. I could say whatever I wanted. And they'd be like, baby, that was good. Amen. <laughs> Amen. There were some godly women, though. And that that was my first introduction to teaching the word of God was to a group of old ladies. And and later on, you know, I I moved into the inner city of Philadelphia and started to serve and and was a member of a church, uh, our mother church, Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia. And I started a a small group by the covering of the church. We got to start a small group in the West Philly section. I see Anna here. She was part of that group uh, in the West Philly section of Philadelphia. And when we first started the group, I kid you not, it did not feel like a small group. It felt like a woman's Bible study because it was no men in the group. It was just me. Uh, And if you fast forward even to today, if you look around this room now, if you look around the room in the second gathering, you will note that our church is predominantly female. Now, before you guys judge me and say you just lack manliness and connecting with brothers, uh, I, I don't know what it is, but nevertheless, down through the years, having the ability to spiritually lead godly women has really Birthed in my spirit a desire to see them to fear the Lord, a real genuine fear of the Lord. And in our text this morning, in our passage, we get to see that we get to see how impactful God fearing women can be. Now, brothers, don't check out. I know that you're like, man, this has nothing to do with me, but this has everything to do with you as well. Uh, Because some of you brothers, especially you single ones, when you're looking for a woman who you want to date or who you want to marry, looking for a godly woman, a God-fearing woman is extremely important. And in our text this morning, we get to see that. In the preceding verses, we haven't read them just because we didn't have a lot of time to do so. But if you look back in your time in the preceding verses, starting at verse number one in Exodus, you will see that uh, the king of Egypt, or Pharaoh, has made a plan, and his first plan did not work. His first plan was, man, we're going to oppress the people of Israel. And the reason he wanted to do that was because they were growing in number. And his fear was that they would grow so strong and grow in number that they would start to connect with their allies, or the ones that were against them, foreign nations. They would connect with them and overturn Egypt. But here's the crazy thing. Pharaoh's fear of them connecting with another nation wasn't because he was afraid that they would overtake Egypt and kill Egypt. It's in the text. In verse 10, his fear is that they would connect with a foreign nation and leave the land. Look at the text. I mean, verse 10, I'll read it really quickly. It says, come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us. Here it is. And escape the land. You must be asking yourself this morning, why in the world would Pharaoh be scared, not that they're gonna get killed, not that the Egyptians are going to be slaves, but why is he afraid that they will connect with another nation and leave the land? His fear is because he he knows the economic impact it will have if Israel leaves Egypt. And let me just tell you, if you don't know that oppressed people, when they collectively get together They can have power over other nations. I'm just telling you now, all you got to do is look back in the 50s in in Montgomery. You got to look how black people were treated and they were unfairly treated as they took their wages to the bus and wanted to ride the bus and were unfairly treated. And they said, you know what, which again was led by the church. They said, you know what, we're going to do a Montgomery bus boycott. And you saw when they brought their oppressed people, brought their collective powers together, they changed laws. And so here in our text, Pharaoh is afraid. He's like, these people will be that will grow to a number that is greater than ours. And because they will grow like that, they will begin to leave our land and then will impact our lands. And so what you see happening in the text is plan one. Plan A is let's oppress them, because if I oppress these people, then. They will not feel like they. First of all, they won't grow. But second of all, they won't feel the need to connect with another nation. But he doesn't know. Pharaoh didn't get the memo that when you oppress God's people, we grow like he didn't get that memo. You know, Christianity is like a nail. The harder you strike it, the deeper it goes. And, And the church has grown. The most we've grown is in adverse times. And so when you look at the text and this should birth praise into you because we serve a God. That helps us to grow in times of adversity. That should birth praise. And I know you're a quiet, you know, we're a quiet church. We don't like that. We see amen as an interruption to the sermon. But let me go ahead and give you let me give you go ahead and give you the opportunity. Interrupt me this morning if this impacts you, because verse 12 will go on to say that the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. The more they were oppressed, the more they spread abroad. And some of you are sitting in this room right now and you've had you've been you've had adversity from maybe you went through a divorce. Some of you in here and that divorce really should have taken you out. Some of you in here have had a bad diagnosis from the doctor and that diagnosis should have killed you. Some of you in this room have had all types of opposition in your life. But you, you have the audacity by God's grace to be sitting in church on a Sunday morning. That is because the more you are oppressed, the more you multiply. And if nothing else births praise in you, that should. That we serve a God that is able to help us to grow. And here's the crazy thing. He uses the thing that was supposed to kill you as the thing that makes you grow. Did you notice the text? It said the more that they were oppressed, the more they grew and the more they multiplied. And so plan A is let's oppress them. But... Plan A doesn't work. What do you do when plan A, Pharaoh's plan A doesn't work? You move to plan B. The problem is plan B in the text is genocide. First, the first plan is let's oppress them. Here's the second plan. Let's kill off all the baby boys. Why? Because the first plan did not work. Unfortunately, Pharaoh also underestimated godly women because two godly women in the text flip Pharaoh's plan completely upside down. Look back at the text with me, verse 15. It says, "Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Sifra and the other Pua, verse 16. "When you serve as midwives, this is what the king said, "When you serve as midwives to the Hebrew women, and you see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him, but if it is a daughter, she shall live." I don't know if you've picked this up, and maybe you will in your time of reading through the entire chapter. But at least four times in this chapter, Moses, which is the author of Exodus, has referred to God's people as Israel. He did it in verse one. He did it in verse 19. I mean, verse nine. He did it in verse 12. He did it in verse 13. And finally, he gets to verse 15. And he does not call them Israel, but he calls them Hebrews. Now, before you think there is a different point here or a different definition, there is no difference in the definition Hebrews, Israelites is the same. It's not two different groups of people. I don't want us to be confused. It's almost like in the text it says Pharaoh, but it also says king of Egypt. That's not two different kings. It's the same person. So the text now says Hebrews instead of Israelites. But either way, he is referring to God's people. The genocide that was happening was not just regular genocide. It was genocide targeted to God's people. But the text tells us this morning that there were two midwives, not just midwives, but look at the text. Verse 15. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, the original translation may be a little hard to translate into English. We do not know for sure if this was saying that the midwives who were uh, who were midwives to Hebrews. In other words, they may have been Hebrews themselves. Or is it saying midwives To the Hebrews, we don't know for sure. In other words, they might have been Egyptians. And these two Egyptian ladies might have feared God. Maybe it was interactions with the Israelites and they knew who who the Israelites' God was. It could have been something like that. Either way, and I think it's the latter, to be honest with you. Why? Because later on we're going to see that these two ladies have intimate knowledge to how the Egyptian women give birth. Not only that, we, we can't think it's realistic for two Hebrew women to be midwives of their own people and kill their own babies. We can't think that they'll aid Pharaoh in this process, but neither. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter if they were Hebrews or if they're Israelites. Here's what matters. Or if they were Egyptians, here's what matters. What matters is that the king, the most powerful man in the nation, comes to them and gives them a direct order and they do not obey him. Can we understand that this is treason? Like, I think we read this and it's like, oh, okay, that's not a big deal. They obeyed God. They didn't obey man. No, this is not just any man they didn't obey. This is the most powerful man and disobeying him is automatic death. But they disobeyed him. Why? The text tells us because they feared God. He says to them, kill the baby boys. That's what Pharaoh says to these two women. And we have to note that this plan of genocide, number one, is demonic. Like anytime you can expect someone else to kill a child, that is demonic. It is only a demented mind that has been touched by a demon that will say, kill children. Not only is it demonic, but it's irrational. Like think of how stupid this plan is. There's a quote that says, evil is mean, but it's also stupid. Let me tell you how stupid this plan is. Watch what Pharaoh is saying. He says, Kill all the baby boys, but keep in mind, the Hebrews are in captive in Egypt simply to build the city. That's what they're there for. So if you kill off all the male boys, you're talking two generations later, you will have nobody to build the city. Do you see how stupid and irrational the plan is? But even though it's stupid, even though it's irrational, this plan of trying to stop them from multiplying should work. Even though you're not gonna have workers, you won't be able to reproduce. And so other word, in other words, this multiplication that was happening amongst the Hebrews will not work anymore. Why won't it work? Because of this plan. Oh, wait. But in the text, it's going to work because there's two ladies that fear God. Like, do not underestimate. We move too fast in the story, the Exodus story. We move too fast to the parting of the Red Sea. We move too fast to the manna. We move too fast to the water being being the the water coming out the rock. We move too fast to the cloud that guided Israel through the wilderness. But all of that takes place. Please understand, because of two godly women, we won't have the rest of Exodus. Forget that. This is going to really blow your mind. We wouldn't have the book of Exodus if these two women did not fear God. Because Moses wrote it. And we're going to see the next chapter. Moses is now born. He was born in a time where these two women said, I'm not going to obey the king. Do we understand how important you godly women are? We get five books of the New Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, what you would call the Pentateuch. We get it because Moses wrote it. And Moses wrote it because he was born. He was born because of two godly women. You got to understand how impactful godly women are. So, our text tells us this morning that there are two women that are presented in our text, and they give us their names, which is crazy. They give us their occupation first. They're Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named with Sifra, and the other was Pua. Verse 16 When you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew women, and you see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, kill them. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. Verse 17. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded, but they let the male children live. I'm just wondering in this room, this text talks about a woman fearing God. That just means that they were in submission to God. They were in awe of God. They were marveling at the work of God. Is there any ladies in here that genuinely can say, I fear God? Okay, if there is, I need you to talk back this morning. (laughs) Is there any ladies in the room that can say, I fear God? Your fear of God should show up in your choices. They had a choice before them. Am I going to fear God and show how I fear him? Or am I going to obey this king? And the crazy thing is, here's the deep part. Yes, they feared God. Here's a practical part. I wish I had something deeper, but I don't. Here's how practical this is. Not only did they fear God, but they let God use their occupation in doing it. Notice this. Again, when the text introduces us to these two ladies, it does not give us their name first. When the text introduces us to them, it says that they are Hebrew midwives. And so basically the Lord used their everyday grind in order to impact an entire nation. And I don't know know, what you guys aspire to. To, to do and work. I don't know what you go to school for. I don't know what your career aspirations are. Here's what I know. Your whatever you do, whatever context it is, you have the ability to impact other people just by doing your daily grind, but focusing on the Lord and fearing God. They were working like they weren't praying. They weren't fasting they weren't up at five o'clock doing a five o'clock prayer devotional. They were simply working. And I don't know what you guys do, but here's what I know. And I've prayed for many of you. Many of you, I have prayed. you have had interviews. You've had tests. You're going to school and I've prayed for you. But here's my goal is for us to stop looking at a job as though it's a selfish game for me. Let me build my bank account. Let me build my resume. No, let's build the Lord's resume. Let's, let's fear the Lord. And so this text tells us this morning that God used them through normal means. They were delivering babies. And I'm not sure of what you do, but you should be considering, like you could do hair, you could work in finance, you could work in the school. Whatever you do, how can you use it in a way that impacts somebody else? I was watching a show with my wife and boys. What's it called? Mudbound? Y'all ever seen that show on Netflix? It's not a show. It's a movie. It just came out. Anyway, y'all should watch it. It's a good movie. And in the movie, Mary J. Blodge is there. First of all, any movie Mary J. is in. (laughs) Mary J. Blodge is in this movie. And and in the movie, she's a midwife. And I was watching it a couple nights ago. And in in this movie, she was... she she was there. There was another lady there that owned like the land, and they were renting the land or whatever. And they had to use her as a midwife to the to the. They, they weren't slave owners, but uh, they owned the land. So anyway, she went to the lady's house, and the two kids were sick, and she was helping the kids get better. But I realized something about a midwife. A midwife's job is multi-purpose. It's, it is not just let's make sure this baby is born. It's let's make sure this woman lives as well. And the same is true in ancient times. A midwife had the responsibility. Please note this. The midwife was not just let's deliver the baby, but let's care for the ladies. And here's the responsibility that you ladies have, you God fearing women. How does what you do on a daily basis impact somebody else like they cared for women in the text by nature? That is what they did. And I don't know what you do, but you have a choice in this room. You have a choice to take what you do and say, How can I impact another lady? Something else that happens in the text that I wish I had something deeper, but I don't know if you know this, notice this, but these two women, Sifra and, and Pua, get along. Like, that's so simple, but it's so deep. Like they get like they're not arguing. They like you're not supposed to be talking to Pharaoh. I'm supposed to talk to. Why did you cut the umbilical cord like that? I'm supposed to deliver it. They not bickering. They're not jealous of one another. They're not arguing. They are simply doing a productive partnership and seeing a nation impacted because they're getting along. They're not just. Je- and I don't know what it is. You know, there's an evil that I think is attacking our ladies that shows up in envy. And shows up in jealousy. And guys, now we have this a little bit, but not like women. I'm just being honest with you. Like me and Timmy can show up with the same sweater on. And we're going to be like, yo, that's cool, man. We're going to take pictures. We're going to laugh. But let somebody show up with your dress on at an event. You're going to be like, she not supposed to be on ASOS. I knew y'all get them black and white packages. See, I knew y'all knew. She on ASOS. She knew I wanted to buy that. Sifra and Pua and the techs aren't doing that. Notice, Sifra and Pua in the text. Here's the question I have for Epiphany Church this morning at our first gathering. Are there Sifras and Pua's in this room that can perform productive partnerships, that can get along with sisters, that don't care nothing about jealousy, but they're looking at one another and saying, how can we get together? What you? Oh, you got that? Oh, I got this. Let's put it together. Let's make something great. Like, we need partnerships. Kua, Sifra, in the text, they are serious about this partnership. And they're so serious about the partnership that the partnership moves them to disobey the king. And in disobedience to the king, there is something very humorous that happens. Look back at verse 18 with me. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and let the male children live? This is hilarious. Watch their response. And the midwife said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and they give birth before the midwives come. So in other words, the king comes to them. He's like, why did this happen? The midwives like, well, what had happened was <laughs> when we get there, they already had the children. Now, here's the crazy thing that that I've been pondering all week. Was this a lie? Because if you know, if. <laughs> If it's a lie, I'm confused because God blesses it. Now, I'm not saying God can't bless it. He might have blessed it because they were protecting lives. He certainly blessed Rahab when she lied about the spies in her house. And so, yes, of course, God can cover this. But I want to present to you an alternative thought. And I'm not adding to the text. I'm just presenting something different here. What if they weren't lying? What if Pharaoh said, kill all the boys and God said, oh, you think you you think you got more power than me? OK, so I'm going to make every Hebrew woman give birth a lot quicker. Can you imagine, like, imagine this idea of the midwives running, getting there, and they already gave birth. And it really happened. What if they're not lying? What if God flexes power over, what if Pharaoh was like, I got control over the womb, and God is like, you think you got more control over a woman's womb than I do? Like you control the palace, you control the, the commerce up and down the Nile, you control every decision in, Eber, in, in Egypt, but you don't control a woman's womb. I flex muscles over you. What if the women, here's the crazy thing. So, yes, they're God fearing. Yes, they're obedient. Yes, they defied the king. But what if they're just witnessing here? What if they're not? What if they're not lying? What if they're like, no. The, these women legitimately are more vigorous. Like, and that's not far-fetched. Later on, you're going to see that God is going to part a Red Sea. If he can part a Red Sea, can he not take a woman and say, give birth? Just like that. Of course he can. And so what that makes these, these Hebrew midwives not just God-fearing, not just obedient, but witnesses of the power of God. And that's what we need in this church. We need more God-fearing women that will witness what they have seen God do in their own lives. And what greatest witness do you have than the witness that you had a dead heart and God made it alive? What greater witness do you have that you were strung out on drugs or you were out there in the streets or maybe you were just religious? Because sometimes, you know, we get this confused. We think that God just saves us. Like, look at the prodigal son. We think that God just saves us from the pig pen and from prostitutes. No, he saved the older brother, which stayed with the father. And so sometimes God will save you. And that, you know, I was talking to Janelle earlier this week, Janelle and and, and Lanisha. And I was like, you know, one of the greatest things I'm starting to sense that the Lord is doing in my life is he's not just causing me to repent of sin, but he's causing me to repent of my own self-righteousness. And so some of you le- ladies need to tell other ladies, other dudes, this is how God saved me, yeah. because in the text, if these women aren't lying, they're witnessing about what they've seen. God do. And I don't know, you know, how you feel about sharing the gospel and how you feel some of you know Thanksgiving is coming up. You will be around a bunch of unbelieving family members if you have that. Maybe your whole household is saved. But some of us have cousins and aunts and uncles that do not know the Lord. How about being a witness? These two women were. Possibly. And if they were, they are they are proving my point of how godly they are. There's something else happening in the text that I want you to consider. Not really happening in the text, more of an application. Verse 20. So God dealt with the midwives. And the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Here's, you know, something else to consider. In the text, Pharaoh legit like legitimately thought I can control the growth of the Israelites by controlling the womb of A female. I can say I can take that that male child and you're going to see plan C. He's going to have another plan later in verse 22 where he takes the babies and throw them in the Nile. But Here's the crazy thing. God shows it. God shows us this morning that the womb of a woman is sacred. It is sacred to God. I don't want to beat anybody up in this room. If you've had an abortion in this room, understand something. Last week we talked about how you are forgiven. You repent, you are forgiven in God. There is no sin that is greater than the cross. I don't know what you've came in here with, but you are forgiven. But in the text, it shows us this morning how God does fit. He shows us that the government doesn't have control over a woman's womb. He shows us in the text that God has control over a woman's womb. And abortion really is Pharaoh at the Nile abortion is 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 pharaoh trying to kill the baby boys and some of you in here i don't want to beat you up because in reality is it's not just the ladies a lot of times abortion happens because men aren't stepping up to the game Amen. a lot of times men are in the game saying you know what let's go ahead and abort." and only humans only humans will say like you've never seen a boor, a bird abort, abort a boor, a bird wow. you've never seen an alligator say i don't want these eggs let's abort these eggs Only humans will take a life as Pharaoh does and say, I have no concern over this life. Only humans. It's Pharaoh at the now. You know, when you consider Jesus, like I often wondered, why didn't Jesus just magically appear at Mary's doorstep? Like just like the Holy Spirit couldn't have done that. Why does he have to go through the birth canal of a woman? I've always. And what if Mary said, I'm pro-choice? What if Mary aborted Jesus? Can you consider that? Notice what the text is showing us this morning. It is showing us that God wants complete control over your sacred womb. And if you've had that, if you've had an abortion, I'm not beating you up. Consider going forward how God feels about babies being aborted, how God feels about the Pharaoh saying, kill all the baby boys. Look at verse 22. I mean, it says, Then Pharaoh commanded his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. And you know what's also crazy about this? It's crazy that if you read, I can't, I don't, we just don't have time, but if you go to chapter 2, let me just read it real quick. If you go to verse number 3, I'm not gonna read it because I'm gonna <laughs> preach it, so I'm gonna just leave it. Go to verse number 3 in your time. And verse number three, it talks about Moses now, right? Moses is being born. Moses, so so Pharaoh put this whole plan together that he's going to take all the baby boys. He's going to throw them into the Nile. Here's the crazy thing. The Nile that killed all the other baby boys, Moses floats on top of it. And when you look at the material, that's that's what blew me away. Look at the material in which the basket was made in. Because the material was the same material that Noah's Ark was made in. Look at the connection we see here. And Noah's ark is a is a pointer to the wrath of God and the grace of God through God, through Christ in the cross. That's what we get in the story of Noah, because the Bible tells us that the same water that flooded out all evil, eight people floated on top of it. and So now you have Moses pointing back to that story and pointing forward to a people that will trust in Jesus and the same cross that brings judgment to others. Those that have trusted in Jesus brings us life. There's a text that says that the gospel is the the aroma of life to those that believe, but it's also the stench of death to those who don't. And so some of you in this room As we consider this story, as we consider godly women, we have to consider the cross of Jesus Christ because this is pointing us to that. And I don't know, you know, what what your faith is. I don't know if you've trusted in Jesus. I don't know. Maybe you've trusted him for a long time or maybe you actually just come. Some of you just like the church. You like the people. Everybody's nice. You know, you like Friendsgiving. The food was banging. But you haven't trusted in Jesus. The start of you fearing God is trusting in Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You ladies, uh, my my hope and prayer this morning is that you would consider your occupation and the things that you do on a daily basis, that you would consider how can God use these things. And consider them in a way that it moves you towards action that it moves you towards making choices for God. Father, I want to pray for every single young lady in this room. There are young ladies here that did have abortions. There are young ladies here that that want to trust you, but don't have people around them. Every time they want to trust you, the cares of life, pluck them out. There are women here that want to make choices that are bold, but they fear Pharaoh. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that you would move us past this fear of Pharaoh and you would move us to a fear of you because it is is only in fearing you that more women will impact nations. Father, an entire nation was impacted because of these women. And I pray that you would birth that in this room also pray that you would birth a sense of repentance, because the reality is, it, it almost sounds easy to defy Pharaoh, but the reality is some of us in this room, that is a hard thing for us to do. Help us to identify our Pharaohs. Help, help us to identify the things that we fear more than you. And all of us have them. Help us to identify them this morning. I pray that we will bring you glory by our choices, by our actions, and by our decisions. This in Christ's name we pray. Amen.